Russian ballerina Stomping on a bureaucrat A perky suburban housewife Who just got into scats It's whimsically volatile. It's the alcoholism. <laughs> the act of alcohol. I don't, I don't either. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard. The, I don't know if anyways, but me and Katya had a conversation when we were on Drag Race. Oh, uh, yes, that's right. I haven't seen that season in a while. You don't need to. <laughs> I didn't shine. I was, I was like, you know, I had my human experience. I had human moments that were m- impactful. Yeah. I'm not good on reality television. <laughs> In competition. Oh, in competition. Okay. I'm good if I have more power. Okay. And I did not know how to make power in that environment. And then when you can't make power in an environment. I come across um, vulnerable, emotional. And oh, oh, sure. I talk a lot. <laughs> and people had brought that up. But I talk a lot because I'm working it out emotionally like a psychological experience sure just like i would do in therapy i'm talking it through to try to gain clarity Uh and i don't know how to do that silently so i try to gauge the room and try to have conversations to start to comprehend why Mm -hmm. i'm like that as well i process things via discussing them but a lot of drag queens don't want to have those type of conversations oh sure okay because you know, a, a huge part of why we do drag in the first place is a, is a veil, but uh-huh. probably a protection that we had to create over our traumas or our fucked up lives. Sure. And then we found an outlet that made us powerful. This is just a kind of a um, a generalization, sure. like encompassing the idea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with what I why I did it. But I think that there's common ground why we are a family and why we bond together. Yeah. A lot of... Uh, you know, the LGBTQ community finds that in that world, they can shine where everywhere else they were oppressed. Sure. And then that becomes the most important place. And in the midst of that, I've been doing therapy for like 13 years. So, yeah. I bring that into the conversation. That, sure. That type of tone is is the way that I communicate with the world. Yeah. And in a drag world and in a competition, people don't want to reveal f- vulnerability and sensitivity because it's about being strong and shining and winning. Sure, sure. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, also, it can be scary for people who are not well versed in that line of thinking as well, yeah. especially when you do put up the protective barrier. Is this close enough? By the way, the mic? oh yeah, no, you okay, sound good. perfect. Yeah, yeah. How are your headphones? By the That's way, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, we rushed the uh, tech side of things because we had a little bit of a late start. Uh, so I, I was awoken by my knocking on the door. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy that the buzzer's so loud, though. Oh, I, I know. I, I was it just thrown to a start. I was like, "Well, oh my god!" <laughs> oh, I was running late, so I was thinking like typical me. Or are you like, late? I'm always running late, and yeah. you know I've been running late for fucking two decades. <laughs> like I've been late. The only thing I was born premature. I was not late to that. Not on my part. I probably would have stayed longer. I always think, oh, I'm going to get to bed early. Never happens. Oh, I, yeah. I can't put myself to bed on a normal time. What I time just, is your usual bedtime? Like 3 a.m.? Sure. 2 a.m.? Same here. Yeah. It's so complicated to try to get into a rhythm Yeah. of what I guess is conventional adulting. At this point now, I just have leaned into my schedule is going to be whatever it is. And I'll have yeah. good stretches where I'm going to bed kind of early. And they're not long, though. Yeah. But, and also, I don't really value them that much. I also sleep longer than more. Instead of eight, I'm getting about 10 hours. Oh, okay. I cannot wake up. When I wake up, I'm like, did I, you know, they say if you sleep too much, it's not, it's, it's, oh, it's just bad. as bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then depression hits and I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> I literally, every morning I gauge emotionally, I wake up and I'm like, feelings check. 
Because I right off the bat, every morning I wake up, I I fear. Do I have you? depression and oh okay. my shit. Okay. And I, I'm a vivid dreamer, so I yeah. remember a lot right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I don't talk it out, which I do with my husband, if <laughs> yeah. he's around, he 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 works in an office and the apartment we're in down a floor below so he comes up to make me a coffee i i it sounds i'm very much pampered <laughs> i don't beckon him he just comes up like knows i'm up sure he can't hear me through the floor but he gets that it's a t- time frame i get up yeah and then he comes up and he offers me a little um a coffee and then it's like our moment where he takes time in the morning to hang out with me for like five minutes mm-hmm. and then he's gone but he he's really set on his daily structure okay he wakes up at like 8 a.m. Yeah. He makes himself breakfast. He walks the dogs. Uh-huh. I'm in bed three more hours. The dogs come back, go back to bed with me. Okay, sure. Which I love. Yeah, that's great. We wake up with the dogs. It can yeah. kind of help that fear maybe a little yeah, bit. Because yeah, because then I just hold them for a minute. You know, I grew up in an anxious household, so I think it's like a part of my adult experience is <laughs> I, I know how to do chaotic, chaotic way better than I know how to do um, contentment. Sure. It's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's comfortably uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so do you generally wake up around noon or is yeah. it okay? Does yeah. it ever shift? It does on work. Whenever I have work, I thrive in a working environment. I love to be active. Yeah. I love a busy schedule. Mm-hmm. And I love to complain about being busy. <laughs> you like to be full of content from work. Yeah. 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 Oh my God, I haven't had a break. I need a break. My skin needs to breathe. <laughs> I need to breathe. <laughs> so what's like an ideal busy schedule for you? Basically having the months in advance knowing that there's a few big events to look forward to. Sure. So I can start to nurture those um, type of environments. I, I don't have a conventional drag schedule. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'm very much that of an alcoholic mindset. I'm terminally <laughs> unique. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, I, I still have that mentality, even though, you know, I, I don't drink. Right. And, um, and having for 13 years. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank on that. you. You're welcome. But to me, it's more about the psychology of an alcoholic. It's never, um, sure you don't lose that. You know, yeah. you don't just get to wipe your slate clean and say, oh, I'm cured. Uh-huh. It's not about being cured. It's about knowing that there's a part of my diet, like my internal dialogue, my brain, my genetic makeup that is obsessive. An obsession in drinking is alcoholism. Uh-huh. An obsession creatively, or if you're a workaholic, those are things we celebrate. Yeah, that's you know, true. Until, oh my God, you're such an achiever. Look at what you've done. Fastidious yeah. to every detail. Everything's perfect. Or the other parts of my obsessive mind come out in the way that I do my my identity through Miss Fame. Okay. When I'm as her, and I'm learning to not talk about her as a secondary en- entity. Okay. A lot of it's yeah. learning that it's just an extension of myself. Sure. I consider it my most feminine self, even though she's very dominant. Mm-hmm. I'm more gentle, more submissive as Curtis than I am as Miss Fame. Oh, okay. It's interesting how it interesting. as a woman, yeah. I feel more assertive. Right. And it more, is interesting. Not yeah. to say not to say that gender roles apply, that you have to, because women have to be this way and men have to be this way. I think that I grew up like that. Okay. And so that as as a woman, I realize I am much, I'm very strong and very um, assertive. Mm-hmm. And I love those characteristics because shit gets done. And when you said earlier you grew up in an anxious household, this is on the chicken farm. Mm-hmm. Could you describe the anxiety in the house a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I told you in a text that it was going to be like working out in therapy yeah, for Yeah, an and hour. I was thrilled about that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go there. I like to talk about these things because I don't think people actually do it often enough. I agree with you. And I love when people are yeah. fully open about these it, It's important because it's not like, um, you know, growing up, 
it was not talked about. I grew up with a, a grand, a little Mexican grandma and a Danish grandpa, and their dialogue was an older. It's an older generation. These are mm-hmm. people that were born during the war, like or, or they're living through that time. Sure. So th- that is a different human experience, and a Certainly. lot of people, yeah, that were going through that, like my husband's grandma, you know, that generation survived fucking hell yeah and you know our our daily issues today not to discredit but like of my generation they're more complicated that you know we're really like stressed out about just social media or i mean and, yeah. and what that psychological effect has been so for me growing up with an older generation they lacked the ability to um sympathize with their kids they weren't gentle and like oh did you have how was school today right they're like you're breathing you're fed you're fine there's a roof and there's food and clothing get over it yeah and get to work right so you know my little sensitive self growing up with my grandparents aunts and uncles that my my escape and and communication and sensitivity were expressed through being outside with my chickens okay that's where i talked to them i mean i needed to talk to somebody obviously listen to me now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they listened really well yeah sure so we were I, very pleasant to listen to oh thank you thank you and i um i found sanctuary outside with my animals yeah. and that was a you know i thought oh i'm gonna be a vet one day i kept trying to imagine what could i do in my life that would bring me joy mm-hmm. and also help me be helpful to other people or or, or animals originally sure i liked to make people and and i like to make things nice i like to make things safe so you know, one of my little chickens get attacked, I'd put a little splint on its foot and I would yeah. remedy it. I was really good at being codependent from an early age. From, <laughs> oh, I see. Sure. <laughs> see, growing up in an alcoholic environment, it taught me well. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, right. So always be enmeshed. Yeah. It's also interesting because I, I didn't grow up with direct, um, my grandparents, I wouldn't put, put in the alcoholic category, Okay, but that kind of dialogue in a family mm-hmm is it kind of existed energetically because of the the surrounding because of both my parents being that so it was indirectly affecting me because well it directly affected me but i didn't live with seeing stumbling drunk it wasn't my daily example so your mom and dad were not there no was that because of the 100 okay yeah. sure but you would hear reports i'm sure of yeah yeah my happening. brother and sister grew up with my mom my dad died very young uh-huh. i mean the layers are really really there yeah. You know, the reason I talk about it is because I have a very repetitive, uh, my mind is like on, on like a videotape that plays itself again and again. Sure. I literally dream about the child, like the home I grew up, the farm. Really? Every other night. Uh-huh. And I haven't lived there since I was 18. I'm 34. Yeah. So since that time it ended, it's like my psychological state goes back into repeat the same way I'll listen to a certain song I really like and I'll listen to it a hundred times. Yeah. I'll play it again and again and again. And like, everyone's like, I get it. <laughs> My <laughs> I do husband. That. I certainly yeah. do that. Yeah. But maybe that's normal and maybe I don't know what normal is and maybe, or maybe there is no normal. No, maybe that's what it is. You know? Maybe it doesn't matter that much. I'm getting yeah. this rug all a mess. Oh, that's okay. Because those are lovely shoes. Thank you. Mm. What kind are those? They're St. Laurent. Ah. They are two sizes too small. <laughs> So you like comfort? Are you well, comfort above all else? A, I'm trying to foot bind. I'm trying to create like a more feminine foot because I have the foot of Tarzan. I have the most masculine foot. Speaking of, <laughs> I have right. beautiful feet. They're very masculine. They're just really, really like they're. I don't know how to describe them, but sure. they're knuckly. I have long oh, okay. toes. All right, kind of like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. 
That's, a, I think, a perfect descriptor for yeah. those listening, because we don't have a visual aid to help She actually them. has a more masculine foot than me. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you remember Just that Quentin scene? Quentin Tarantino in... would be quite a fan of your feet then. But you know he was fetishizing the feet yes I mean, that was a big conversation that about was, exactly why, you know I, yeah I, I think it's just something yeah he enjoys quite a bit it's okay yeah there's nothing really wrong with that I, him being lumped in with other people in hollywood have maybe done some bad things doesn't really make sense to me just because he's yeah. got a thing for feet yeah you had an interesting conversation with someone who yeah has a i thing was for talking feet? to you just a little bit before <laughs> um so you know the uh, social media makes our work our bodies our cre- anything we do that we share it be- it reaches many different types of people yeah and you know a little bit of backstory was at the beginning of my journey as miss fame in new york yeah i had um, been introduced through um another queen here to a man that was i originally just thought it was somebody that wanted me to transform them into drag i didn't even yeah. put it into a different category that this was a a kink um that it was you know i, I just thought oh it's probably another like a sister, you know, hey girl. Sure. And what I didn't realize was the psychological experience that was happening for this man. Uh-huh. And um, what then ended up happening was I was attracting a lot of men that were wanting to be, you know, they were like married, they have kids. Yeah. Um, there was a guy that was a police officer in New York. I don't remember his name and I would have, of course, never break his in and oh, certainly but um he was so strong we'll he call was, him fred yeah fred it probably is his actual name <laughs> um fred had um he was built like an athlete like he was totally built like um what's a bodybuilder okay like he was obsessed with being like super masculine in his daily living yeah and then he had this thing where he liked to wear women's you know underwear sure. and panties and like um lingerie and mm-hmm. he also liked to get into his i forget the name of the girl he would become or the woman oh so he had a whole character he had a yeah a uh-huh. secondary identity and w- while his wife originally he said like he told me the backstory of how this had happened we got ready in new york in a, a hotel he had kind of Set the he'd reached out to me. I put him in touch with my husband. That was always like a form of protection for me okay, because I was sure. like, "Well, let's meet, but like, let me see what this is about." Yeah. And they'd always want me to be in drag. They're like, "Or oh, can you get into fame?" And I'm like, "Yeah, if you're gonna have to pay a lot of money, some people would, <laughs> sure, you know, to yeah. be able to spend time with me." Yeah. And I learned a lot about myself. I did not have that dialogue fully figured out. Like that was one experience. There was a lawyer from Florida. There was mm. a, a lot of lawyers, a lot of business, a lot of wealthy, you know, business suits. Sure. Yeah. Um, and another one from Brazil um, that would come over here and spend a lot of money to hang out with a lot of queens. Oh, interesting. And like a lot of it was like learning about their gestures what they were really wanting of course there was a sexual element a, b- a big desire element because they were like in their ultimate kink yes hanging out with somebody who is a specialist in that field and because i i'm one of the i'm a, i'm a strong image queen i've had, had a lot of success for being beautiful sure yeah um, and your painting skills yes it yeah. goes hand in hand but the image part of it was that they were obsessed with being around me and they were obsessed with me doing this job. And they wanted me to be a dominatrix over them. I oh, didn't okay. have training. I had no clue. So sure. I'd be in these mansions. Yeah. In these crazy houses where the walls with a magnet would open and pop out like like latex gear or oh, like sure. sex toys and heels mm-hmm. and all like. But it was hidden from their 
their maids and housekeepers so that they didn't have that secondary identity being revealed. Sure, certainly. And they had the resources where it could be fully yeah. hidden, They're, only unknown to them, yeah. and yet also a full supermarket of gear yeah. behind. Yeah. Or, or having a secret house. You know, there was one uh-huh. in L.A. Um, a few of the qu- girls know directly because it was like he was working through one after the next oh okay sure yeah. chasing the pretty girls yeah and Obsessed giving them the dolls yes and giving them louboutins <laughs> so anytime i'd sure. see a red bottom on a pretty queen i'm like oh so you know and i'd know the name you know for fred the name. Or, yeah the fred too and the fred too fred and the one two three four five but it was interesting because i had done i was uh, uh, that fetish community was very drawn by me mm-hmm. and i could see why yeah. Now I could see, really see why. In the sure. moments I didn't really, I didn't look at what I did. I wasn't sexualizing myself as fame. Mm-hmm. I was respecting myself as fame. I felt like I was like the ultimate form of self-celebration was sure. being her. Uh-huh. And um, and also know, at this time, still, you had not fragmented, but the very separated, like, this is fame. And yeah. speaking of fame in the secondary yeah, yeah. way, right? So, And do you think now that it's a little more integrated? It's tricky because I don't know exactly how to term, like the terminology. I have people actually refer referring to me more in her pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have a preference? Um, I feel like when I go out as Curtis and like, as I present now, I'm totally fine with um, he, him. Okay. And the, the, and I don't know if I'm a, they, them. And I, and I, and I felt comfortable with the gender fluid identity sure. because I, I do feel like I bridged the gap. And it's also a big self like admission to be like, Oh, am I, ready am i comfortable am i trans sure you know these questions come up with a few of the girls mm-hmm. um because working in drag you know some sometimes it's just a bridge to a second discovering yourself on a deeper right. level certainly yeah but i'll put a pin in that one yeah, because that's it, a comp- i haven't worked that one at therapy. <laughs> no, <but it's> a <laughs> really- <laughs> i'm still working on it <laughs> and to go back to the uh fetish community yeah when you start seeing the Freds, yes. Um, what was the first experience like? Well, I didn't realize I had power. I didn't know I could oh, use okay. it. I didn't know yeah. that there was a certain tone of my voice and a certain command that I could express. What it was like to set a boundary with a man like that and how profound that would be to make them feel um, submissive. Sure. They wanted to either... They pushed... If they were a switch, they were pushing their dominance on me, and I was being a good employee because I was being hired to be there to do sure. a, a makeup job. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, expecting to turn it into I'm gonna play out a scene with you. Yeah, right. Um, and what was the first time like when that happened? I was dealing with a complicated man, and he wouldn't listen to me. Sure. And so it was like turning on you know he wouldn't sit still he'd get up he'd move and a two-hour makeup turned into a five-hour makeup and he was claiming my time and i didn't know how to be like he wanted to like make everybody in the room do what he wanted to do because he had the means to do it sure and and i was a bit overwhelmed by that because i would i was not familiar with the dialogue and when he would put his head down i was like this person is so complicated like lift your head lift your head and having to talk almost like a child or like naomi campbell like complicated like lost in their phone <laughs> sure okay yeah. um, but also making everything know, about them every moment every, every second. second yeah and making it complicated for other people so that they were being handed like doted on and getting their nails done and then ruining the nail polish on a nail and then going oh look it's ruined it was like oh, you know yeah, making get- it yeah. where everybody's day was miserable so that they could have a full team of people making them feel very glamorous. Sure, and focus solely on them. Yeah, and I, um, 
you know, I obviously had to pull away from these people, which made them want me more. Um, <laughs> like the moments I started saying, I'm not down for that. Yeah. When I had uh, somebody that wanted to, a client in Brazil that had brought me out to Brazil and they put me in the most extraordinary hotel and they had armored cars pick me up like crazy shit. Like yeah. I'm showing up in full makeup. They, they'd wanted that kind of experience. They wanted to take pictures with me. Those pictures exist, but they're anonymous. They'd asked me not to post the pictures with them. Sure, sure. Um, but they had a full experience, a thing of uh, a day of what they wanted. They wanted me to eat cake. They wanted me to drink milk with a straw. Wow. You know, like okay. see, things that I was looking at, like okay, and I was just there to take pretty pictures. So I didn't, I didn't take it further than what it was. Yeah. They also wanted to kiss me, and I said no. And then they had like a psychological breakdown. What would that look like? It was like um, submission. It was them then doting on me hand and foot sure because if they had tried to be more dominant with me yeah. what they really craved was me to dominate them the idea of my image was a dominant and and i am Certainly. dominant yeah. as miss fame mm-hmm. so i realized there was a moment i found power okay in the fact of, of saying no yeah while the way i looked right and controlling the situation yeah yeah so, so did it ever uh, veer into sexual activities not outside you know i think i crave that kind of dialogue i'm also married and you know my husband and that that's something that you know i didn't get into a relationship with somebody because there was a dialogue that i had already known about myself okay i think that i found out elements about it throughout the years yeah um it wasn't like i was some kid that was i mean social media where was i cell phones and all of that i'm, I'm you know being 34 we didn't sure. have this kind of technology readily available up until you know, I didn't grow up with the internet. Same, it came about yeah, when right. I was like a kid. Yeah. So, it, it, and it wasn't that far away. I'm not like so detached. I'm but still, you went through the process of learning about yeah, it and when you were sort yeah. of already conscious of... Our phones had the cord. Yes. Yeah. Right. And a landline. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm realizing now there's certain things that, as mentioned, certain people online um, and specifically like posting a picture the reach we have how yeah. easy it is for us to kind of command that mm-hmm. and i feel like i've turned off my receptor to attract that type of person for a while mm-hmm. there was always a few that would come in and sometimes i would um engage because i'm interested in understanding the dialogue i want to know cycle i'm like into getting into the underworking and the brain of yeah desire yeah um plus it feels nice to be validated and when somebody thinks something's nice about you i lean into it a bit <laughs> sure. i'm an aries i want more <laughs> well happy birthday so, because it must be you. around now when no, is just your birthday? It oh march okay. 30th yeah. okay well happy birthday thank yeah. you you're welcome so example um somebody reached to me that really liked my feet yeah and they there's a few accounts out there that are foot fetish accounts that share my foot pictures from like me on the beach in Italy. Oh, sure. I see. Where yeah. I've seen them tagged and yeah. it's a foot account for celebrity feet. So I was like, oh right. my God, I'm a celebrity. Yeah. I was like, that's really nice. Thanks. <laughs> you guys, you guys <laughs> get it. Form. You guys yeah. get it. Yeah. And also there was a man online who has uh, an account. I don't know the name. I'd have to look at the account, but he is always in a mask. So you don't see his actual face. Mm-hmm. He sent me a picture of his face. So I know what he looks like. Okay. He's good enough looking. I, I, I was like mesmerized in that, but he <laughs> is um, like 95% his, he says I'm 95% dominant, uh-huh. but there's times I want to submit and or switch you know yeah. i learned the terms i'm pretty quick read so like i start to pick things <laughs> up you know that's but that's being a survivor of life you learn how to survive in an environment and get conversant with the terminology real quick yeah yeah and i was really curious about his insight about 
what he was interested in. And mm-hmm. he talked about my feet. I, I sent a few pictures. Sure. Because I thought, this is harmless. It's yeah. my feet. Right. Like, I don't look at my feet. And if, other than the fact that I would love for somebody to massage them at, 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 at infinitum, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you could, that could be arranged. Yeah. With the, yeah. yeah. I already told my husband. I'm like, full disclosure, this might, I might need that. <laughs> because I'm in pain all the time. Or, you know, doing, doing it, Self it hurts. foot binding, of course, that leads yeah. to uh, some aches and pains yeah the shoes are two sizes too small because i got them online oh okay. final sale <laughs> and i was like and i got i, I ordered them in a woman's size uh-huh. not a men's size european i got confused oh there's a difference between yeah. european sizes and i wore a 42 for anybody that's interested in buying me women's heels and i know you are out there you are out there yeah. so those types love to buy me shoes mm-hmm. i have plenty of them but more please <laughs> there's never enough really never right? enough no you mm-hmm. need something new for every outfit so this other Fred, yes, the five percent, yeah, submissive guy. He's been checking in on me regularly, and the conversation originally was based off of just playing a banter of desire. Sure. And then you know what ends up happening is I, um, you know, he'd ask me, he's like, "What's your kink?" And I really had to think. I'm like, "What's my kink?" Like. <laughs> And I end up going down an emotional spiral. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm really, but it's, it's, it's complicated because, you know, I've just gone back, started going back to therapy. Mm-hmm. So I'm rehashing up a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, there's times where I feel like that side of me comes up where I'm like in a more alluring space where it usually happens when i'm traveling and i'm not uh-huh. with not with my husband i need to calm myself down here I'm getting very <laughs> honest and i'm with usually my cousin because you're kind of like detached it's like you're you, you know people you'll meet people or people are like oh my god you're in my country so then the flirtations happen online often sure sure um, i can't deny it like it's it doesn't social media makes it dangerously easy certainly yeah um but you know i'm a, i'm a lot more talk than i am action i like i <laughs> it's i appreciate the validation but i have a healthy fear um that keeps me a healthy respect sure that could keep me in a little bit of a containment okay well that's good i mean there's nothing really harmful about talking yeah right i mean potentially i mean we'll see at the end of this interview if uh, <laughs> there's harm done <laughs> complete yeah no you're like you're a mess get out <laughs> well you yeah. woke me up so i mean i couldn't call you a mess right so <laughs> right right <laughs> you slept in and i was like what is going on here <laughs> but you only rang the buzzer once right I know. yeah okay good i good, can't believe yeah. you got up though oh that yeah, it was sp- enough to get you up about to get, yeah sprang right up and look at yeah. me i'm doing a fabulous job it's sprucey <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like to be real sprucey yeah sprucey is a word right i like it i'm gonna yeah. go with it i mean look in the drag um yeah. we make up d- words yeah exactly and they're yeah. great words yeah we just come up with i've never considered i'm less of i don't do drag banter mm-hmm. i do human exchange okay and like i but it, whenever i'm in drag i'm surprisingly when i'm fully as when i'm fully in my femme i'm quicker and um i have a lot more probably a lot more confidence it's very easy to feel your your oats as some of the girls oh, would yeah, say certainly because you're like embellished you're celebratory you're mm-hmm. you know i kind of took it in part with when tribes people in different parts of the world are celebrating or adorning their bodies with um you know 
pieces from nature like sticks and brush and leaves sure. and and fruit and even like animal parts and yeah. horns they're doing this to bring in their god energy from the, whatever their their belief system is right. to channel that and right. they also are doing that in a way i watch a lot of national geographic uh-huh. so i'm like that's as much of my connection to cultural experiences in indigenous and tribal communities yeah the reason i'm bringing this up is because i look at the practice of humanity Mm -hmm. not you know the modern man with the cell phone but somebody that's out there that's living still in a tribal community and the way that they're connected to the earth and their practice of drawing in energy to bring in you know abundance Uh fruitfulness health and well-being to draw out darkness yeah they're doing these practices and you know, you know, I carry crystals in my pocket, and like, oh. like I like I have a little rock in my pocket right now uh-huh. for energy. So I like look at things like that. And the reason I'm tying, I'll tie this in this way: when I had a friend who, um, this Egyptian guy who wanted to do a Turkish coffee reading, where you drink the coffee and they look at the the lines of how the grounds stick to the edge of the okay. cup. Mm-hmm. He had wanted to do a reading with me when he met me. He was really beautiful. So, of course, I said yes. <laughs> I like, a lot went straight to his yeah. apartment. I was like, whatever you say. I love coffee. Yeah, I love yeah. coffee. It was horrible. <laughs> it was so dark. And I was like, do you have any like almond milk? It was not that kind of thing. Yeah. It makes the reading more complicated totally, with the almond milk. Right. Yeah. I was like, I don't do dairy. <laughs> <laughs> and we, he had like turtle shells in his room. Like, hey, what is it that there's a certain kind of um, practice where people behead chickens and things like that. Oh, Centuria? Centuria. I think mm-hmm. he had a little bit of that background, if I'm not mistaken. I okay. could be completely wrong. Which I don't condone killing animals sure. for sacrifice. But that's my own belief. I'm not against saying if that's a part of somebody else's system. And belief, do it. Yeah. Um, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so like anti-vegan. Very, very strange uh, statement coming from such a chicken lover. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not a protester in that regard. Yeah. I'm also like, I grew up on a farm, so we did eat animals. Certainly, and I, and yeah. I know that there's a kind of a balance of life. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a pescatarian. I'm not full commitment to vegan. Mm-hmm. But not to get too far off the track. The whole thing of why I'm saying all of that was when I had this Turkish coffee reading, yes. this guy said to me that you are channeling you are channeling energy from beyond the planet. And so he said, your body is a vessel for mm-hmm. something beyond you, a female energy that passes through you. So when you are doing that and getting ready, yeah. it all started to become clear because maybe many queens can relate to that. There's a moment at the end of the makeup where yeah. you put on the wig and then she's here. Yes. But I'm looking at it at a more introspective. I'm going deeper. Is it just because I'm dressing up uh, in a, as a woman? Right. Or do I have to put it in a, t- a category of I'm now trans or do I, what is my dialogue? And sure. for me, it's like, we are allowed to define it in whatever way we feel most comfortable. Right. No, And no one can define it for you. Exactly. I mean, I do feel that doing um, drag, I use little quotes around my fingers with that statement because I don't feel the word identifies to me the same way it did when I first started in my career. And how did it identify to you when you first started? I was just going with it. So I said, it's drag. I do drag. I see. I, I thought it was e- easier for people to comprehend it. So then when I showed them a picture, like, oh my God, you're really pretty. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward, I feel like I've stripped away the armor of drag, which mm-hmm. was originally a mask, a veil of protection. Sure. And now I'm I'm revealing myself. The, the, the bridge between Curtis and Miss Fame has become so thin sure, that okay. it's almost like it's just me, but embellished. 
rather than me cheating everything about my face and body. I'm not padded. I'm using my own bone structure. I'm barely, you know, I barely wear makeup these days. And a lot of it came down to, I didn't want to have to rely on all of these tricks to then give, um, to show that I was beautiful enough. Sure. Because I felt that everything came down to all of my success and validation was based off of the way I looked when I became her. Okay. And I didn't want to only associate that, that I wasn't valued only because of that. And only in those moments. Can I take it back almost to nothingness and still be worthy? Right. Do you still find me good enough? Yeah. Valid enough? Achieve, like achievable of those goals if I don't bring all of my tricks to the table. Mm -hmm. So, you know, although some might say I've complicated it, I'm also looking at this as a psychological experience because doing our type of work takes a lot of, um, it's a lot of the mind yeah doing it again and again and again and again night after night day after day new city not sleeping right Mm -hmm. feeling disjointed um plus the energetic exchange when you're doing getting touched by many people yeah yeah exactly when they're always i mean it's it's a lot to have to be and i'm a i'm a yes person so i give i'm always polite i will not tell somebody no Mm -hmm. um unless they're aggressive, then I have to, you know, set a boundary. But I let people around me, I tell them in advance, when we walk out there, it's going to be nonstop. So you will have to pull me away. And I will literally tell you, it's fine, it's fine. But really what I'm asking is, it's not fine, I'm done. Yeah, you need need a bad cop with you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but everyone, then they get into the fantasy of how busy it is and exciting that they hear me say it's fine and they forgot that conversation happened. (laughs) And literally I'm like, fuck. Do you have to remind them later on? Yeah, but it's nobody. It falls on deaf ears because people forget again and again. Everyone always expects it to be one way and then the working day happens. Uh Uh-huh. And then the hard no's are really impossible for everyone because they see me and they think, oh, you're having such a good time. Okay. But I do my job really well. Right. I enjoy it and I like making people happy, but Mm -hmm. I also am like, you need to stop me because I will literally starve myself out here. Yeah, sure. So you'll go to the point of exhaustion. A hundred percent. Have you been able to figure out a balance for that yet? Or is that... No. 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 I I think I do. I think I know what it looks like to have um, some... Uh, key points to protect me mm-hmm. and i've em- implemented them a little bit more each time um you know having little barriers that keep me safe because it's such an not to say like it's just the energy yeah it's the um emotions that come up for the fan and people that admire and respect you i also know we're all people but then they're looking at me in my most celebrated state yeah and um i'm on and when i'm on it's a different caliber of uh, expression. Sure. And, and another level of energy mm-hmm. as well that you're outputting. So when I get home and I take it all off, I feel completely destroyed. I feel like I, I look depleted. My eyes are dark. My body's wrecked. You know, the corset, the heel, uh, I f- the skin hurts. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there thinking like, how did I do that? How did I, what, you know, she was this so sharp and I'm sitting here at home and I'm eating a full pizza, you know, like completely like with my feet swollen twice the size, like yeah. just look like shit in a robe and mismatched socks, like, or if none, yeah. just on the couch. And then I'm turning on Netflix and I'm checking the fuck out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, what's your mood like in those moments? Do you, After? Yeah, when you're oh, in those states. I'm a monster. <laughs> yeah, I'm not nice. I'm, I'm not nice. Not, the only people that see that is usually my husband and my cousin, the people that are closest to me. Yeah, the luckiest ones. Yeah, yeah. The, the, poor, the lucky few that get to see me work because the house is like, there's makeup everywhere, uh-huh. there's shoes everywhere, there's hair everywhere, there's dresses everywhere. So it's walking into a war zone. <laughs> You know, I do like to set up a proper setup. I like to keep things really clean and organized. But then once you're like in the hype of we need to get out the door, there's no, then things become disrupted. Certainly. Yeah. There's no like, I can keep it nice for so long. Yeah. And then reality sets. But once I walk out into the car, into the environment, I will, every step, every breath, every word, every motion is perfection. So, and it's all about that. Yeah. Right. And the obsessiveness yeah. that we talked about before. I think what I was what I was really getting at is this whole thing, and I, I hope I made myself clear about the whole tribal energy and why I, I look so. at that. Yeah, I look at that because what I think I'm doing through my own body and what I believe in the human experience is more vast than we'd say. Oh, I'm just a physical body walking on the planet. What right. you see is what you get. There's nothing more. Yeah, I mean, we're we're uh, and uh, Earth is floating in a universe with many stars, many planets. So I start going down that route. That this is a bigger experience, and if I allow myself to tap into something greater, I might actually be allowing myself the privilege of channeling something profound. Sure. What if that is real to me? Yeah. What if that's real? Period. Right. Well, and if it's I, real to you, it's real, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe I'm not even allowing it. Maybe it just is. Maybe I uh-huh. am a conduit that allows these type of this goddess energy to uh, to work on this planet to help people the way they need to be helped i think we all participate at different frequencies sure you know um and you can feel energy you can tell when somebody's toxic on the street and you need to go on the other side of the street you could tell just by the way somebody moves even if they're not saying anything you feel people that's true you could tell when something's bad news you can and a lot of times people ignore the pit in the stomach yeah feeling and you really shouldn't yeah all of these are signs physical cues of what you know, I listen to my body. I listen, obviously my mind has its own running dialogue and then my heart has its own energy. And I think that the message of the heart is the one I I need to trust most often or that whole center, the the inside part, which is probably my purest form. I think Uh as soon as my thinking gets in the way, Uh I start to die um, to sabotage myself now when you say you're thinking how would you define that for instance when you're second guessing your gut instinct yeah it's like i it wants to contradict it it wants to it wants to go against so i've learned for me try to follow that inside feeling i mean these are not new thoughts we hear that follow your gut it's like people know these statements because they've been around long enough but know the statements but don't know necessarily how to put it into practice exactly we all fall afoul of that yeah so it's good to be reminded. Yeah. And I think I care, obviously, I do I do care a lot about the way I present. And I also, um, 
Yeah, I leave the house. I never leave the house undone. I, I do. No, even your, your, I mean, your outfit today, uh, we'll, we'll take pictures and, and post them, but it's like this beautiful gray into black yeah. ensemble. Moods. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gradiating moods. So, yeah. Are you in a gray mood today? Well, I, it seems like you're in a little brighter. I had a pink shirt on earlier and it just made me feel weird. It was like the wrong pink. I know. I know that feeling. Yeah. Sometimes like when you're choosing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a gift from my husband. He got me two shirts, one I like, one I didn't. When I grabbed the shirt frantically, when I when I heard the yeah, buzzer, I, cool shirt oh, on. thank you very much. Yeah, I was like, okay, I feel like the I need a purple one today. Yeah. I have a lot. Of, I was wearing black and white the last couple of days. Yeah, I thought, very New York. Yes, <laughs> very New York, and it's cold outside right now. It's not that bad. You said you're from Massachusetts. Yes, originally. Yeah, and now I live in LA. I actually just looked. Okay, well then you've got the the most the creme de la creme of weather. Yeah, I absolutely it's the most do. ultimate. Yeah. How do you like it? I love LA. I love it. I've been there almost five years. Really nice. Yeah. And you're originally from California, right? Yeah, I grew right? up in Central Coast, which is, if you're in LA, it's, um, if you take the 101, uh-huh. it's four hours north. Oh, okay. Yeah, All it's right. right after Santa Barbara, about an hour after Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. It's a coastal town. It's it's like Santa Barbara. It's it's a smaller, it's um, it's college town, so they have Cal Poly um beautiful university and it's agriculture based it's Mm -hmm. a lot of surfers yeah a lot of people that want to retire people that want to raise their kids it's just not ideal for gay people sure so there's not enough there mm -hmm. so growing up in addition to the chaotic household the surrounding town was not a very welcoming environment it wasn't actually i could tell you many stories it's not that the kids in school weren't they could have been a lot worse Uh if i grew up probably in like a city yeah well maybe i'd say it depending on the time maybe maybe it would be worse for me if i were in a bigger city you know it wasn't my experience so i can't sure it's hard to yeah i think people ask me a lot about my sexuality at a young age because i was feminine sure i walked with my hands in a certain way and yeah i talked in a certain way and i was emotional all of the things that they would categorize as non-masculine characteristics um, I was thin and, you know, like I, I grew up with athletic family members. So my mm-hmm. grandfather's idea and standard, it was set. There was a standard of how men were supposed to be. Sure. And I knew I wasn't exhibiting that. So I was being not communicated in a way that made sense. I think that my grandparents did the best they could, could with what they had. And yeah. I believe that I, I think that it was bad because I was sensitive and, and not to discredit my emotions, I think that sometimes we're like, a lot of people will say, oh, you're too sensitive. Yes. I think that's yeah. so fucking rude to tell it, somebody, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe it, they yeah. are. And maybe yeah. that's on their time. And maybe they, yeah, but you obviously, you're too insensitive, you fucking cunt. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. And also, I, I've had <laughs> that. My direct response to the most, <laughs> to anybody who says that to me. <laughs> well, listen, that should be the response in general. That's how I feel when my I'm, t-shirt. I, I, and I've been told that, you know, yeah. and it immediately. You're, that you're insensitive? No, that I'm too sensitive. Okay. And that immediately actually makes me put the other person under suspicion. Yeah, like. Well, well, you're calling out something that I think is a really good quality. And they're uncomfortable. You, they're uncomfortable and they're making it a negative. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't want to deal with it. Sometimes people don't want to be seen. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And if you're too sensitive as they term it, really what it is, is they know that you're seeing them. Yeah. And you reveal, you know, a lot of the time, my energy, my, my type of personality, 
people tell me a lot of things. They trust me with a lot of private information. Sure, same and here. And I keep it private because yeah. I do respect that. I do until I go home and I tell my husband everything. <laughs> 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 How would that be? I'm kidding. <laughs> I go right to Reddit, but no one knows it's me. <laughs> Straight to Twitter on my direct account. Oh my God, is this a. I was, I was trying hacked. to text that to my mom. I was hacked. Totally. My niece took my phone. No, I, I, no, I really do find it important to. Um, there's certain things that are so sacred that when somebody tells you, I really am like, that, that is, it, you need to keep that shit down because yeah. that, that is too real. Um, yeah. You know, I think that is an energy that builds on itself. Like once you're a vault, yeah. other people just know that, mm-hmm. I think. It just sort of presents itself. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I guess, you know, looking at that that town, there were times where it was dangerous, you know, walking around and people would yell faggot out of their car while driving or pull over oh. and they'll be like, you know, threatening you. Yeah. Just because I was, I remember walking down the street holding a, a, a boy's hand. I was like 20 or 18. Yeah. And I was thinking... This is crazy. I mean, of course, I, I, I would say someone would say, "Well, you're asking for it." Like looking at my family, like you got to be careful. Yeah, and I was like, "That's so fucked up." It's like we yeah. we're in California, <laughs> right? And like a couple hours from San Francisco, a couple hours from L.A. Yeah, and it's it's just too far. You, you know, it's like as soon as you get outside of a city. Yeah. Sometimes if you're in your in your city, but you're too far up or too right. far down yeah. or too far left or too far right, then you're not safe. That's true. There's elements of being safe when you're, whatever your differences may be. Yeah. Or I'm trying to think the otherness is the yes. word I was going to yeah, use. Otherness is the perfect yeah. word because people get very uncomfortable. Because I don't otherness. like the word different. I think the otherness is, I, um, I think otherness also indicates a specialness as yeah, well. Yeah. 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 And I prefer, I do like that. I have certain characteristics that are special. I also, no, but it's like, you know, I have a mom that lives in Spokane, Washington. She mm-hmm. wasn't originally from that state. She's California. And when I went to visit, I felt like no matter what I did, I was a walking target. People really? didn't say anything, yeah. but I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. And I'm somebody who walks with confidence throughout New York. Like, right. I carry, I strut, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, click, click, click. I hear, I like the sound of my shoes. and <laughs> I like the sound of my I'm shoes mindful. too, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you hear them and you're like that sound and it's like, and people... um you know, people look at me and I'm used to that because I carry myself with awareness that um, command the attention of every space you're in. Right. In a city like New York, um, when there's the most talented, the most beautiful, the most iconic people yeah. come here, it is that that city. You can't just disappear. Um, right. Not to say I don't have off days and I'm literally, I run to my little coffee shop and I sit there in an oversized coat and glasses but even those are mindful decisions yeah exactly because i'm also like you never know you really never know and i guarantee you there's always that time unguarded but unguarded in a cool way i study the supermodels Mm -hmm. interesting stuff going on here with that um the the women of the 90s supermodels of the 90s were my icons those are the women i studied yeah and um I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'll Google like recent images of Linda Evangelista, Christy. Like I want to yeah. kind of get up on like what they've been doing, um, where uh, they're yeah. out. And I'm just like kind of looking at the way they carry themselves on their days off when they take their kids to school or when sure. they're going to a board meeting. I swear they, they, they do have normal lives. Yes, right. Um, their parents, you know. Yeah. And um, I always find it, oh my God, they're so chic. They've learned in a way. Maybe they grew up that way. Maybe they didn't, you know, 
models are in an industry that's so focused on the way they present themselves and then they become molded by an industry right but you do dis you do take away a lot from your work environment mm -hmm. and that's true i grew up on a chicken farm but i've learned over time about aesthetic fashion what things i learn about telling a story through image right certain days i want to be more edgy some days i want to be preppy some days i want to be seen some days i want to not be seen mm -hmm. so i kind of cater to the energy that i feel through style yeah and um what i was going to tie this in is i was just at mark jacob and charlie's wedding mm -hmm. and um for anybody who's not in fashion mark jacobs is a big deal yes yeah. he's one of the biggest and he's quite phenomenal he's actually i had uh, did his makeup a couple years ago for mm -hmm. a YouTube video. They ended up printing like a Snapchat picture I took of him uh -huh. in um, uh, Vogue's like big birthday issue. For, oh, I wow. think it was like 150th yeah. year and their September issue. So it's like on top of being um, an anniversary, it was the September issue, which is their biggest issue in print in American Vogue, which See, is the I biggest. I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that about the September issue. Yeah. September yeah. issue is the, the one okay. I, of, of, of the most important. Yeah. So, and um it's the it's like the most jumbo it's like the phone book print. size yeah, one phone okay. book size one yeah so anyways and they printed it and it was unintentional mark mark had supported that decision he'd pushed for it but it also added a layer of um respect for me within the community and i didn't know it was going to come with that people oh, okay. were going to recognize me in fashion yeah. because of that makeup sure we did it for fun in brooklyn it yeah. was not supposed to be anything we smoked cigarettes we talked we, we talked about um, movies and he's very re well refer referenced so he was giving me a lot of homework to do sure that's always um, fun yeah and he called me his his niece and he, he had titled himself aunt helen so ever <laughs> since then he's been very inclusive he dresses me often uh -huh. um he's very supportive he's introduced me to other um, very important people in fashion mm -hmm. so i was just at his wedding party and i'm in a room with the most beautiful the most successful the most wealthy like it's like very prestigious people certainly yeah in the world yeah. but in fashion specific right which and is I, another yeah carved out echelon it's a yeah. niche within yeah. it's i mean <laughs> it, it, it it i'd say it guides the world image wise because it bleeds outward and it becomes something else certainly. from there yeah um what I've discovered from it was like I was standing there and I'm dressed up and wearing current spring summer 19 Mark Jacobs mm -hmm. at his wedding yeah. and I wore, wore white to a wedding. That was me. <laughs> I mean, it was off white. So I thought I could get away with it. Sure. Um, and I'm seeing Christy Turlington. I'm seeing Helena Christensen. I'm seeing the, you know, of course, like the top three and then the top five, I believe it was, or the top, there was like the, the top three was a Trinity and that was Naomi, um, Christy Turlington and Linda Evangelista. Mm -hmm. Um, I have yet to meet her because Linda's like my spirit mother. In my heart, she's my family. Okay. Um, she doesn't know it yet, but I one day we'll meet her. Yeah, and you'll let her know then. Yeah, and I'll like tell her how important she is and and why and how much admiration I have for her. But Christy's there, and she's like right there. You know, I've met Naomi numerous times. I've had mm -hmm. lunch with Naomi, but with a group of people, it wasn't like a one on one. But I've sat and I've seen her season her fish, you know, and I've seen her smoke a cigarette. I've asked her for a cigarette, and we've well, that's smoked great. Together. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Are you still a smoker? I am. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you don't, yeah, yeah, I'm no, no I like, vapor, so I'm just. I, I don't smoke often. I smoke when I when I'm in social environments that cater that it's okay. Sure, okay. I don't go smoking on my balcony by myself. Mm -hmm. I have one cigarette every blue moon, and at parties I'll have several. Well, it's better to keep it that way. Yeah. yeah, I switched to vape because I was smoking too much, and then of course working with Brian, yeah, our breaks would inevitably Turn lead to, to chain smoking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I do find them glamorous. I know that's like um, probably the last thing you want to hear. The young kids don't need to know that. But I, because of working in Paris often, oh sure, it's still 
um, acceptable in certain restaurants and bars. Uh-huh. And um, I'm sure it looks really good in Paris. And Parisians do it right. Yeah. So it's like, it's very <laughs> elegant. They like yeah. finish a meal and they have a cigarette. So it, it's, it's all within respect of, um, Context restriction. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's like, okay, well an environment, but that type of environment being in Europe and having a cigarette, my husband's mom smokes, his aunt smokes. And these are very like women in their seventies and they look chic. And they're not smoking too much. They're having yeah. a cigarette at like a certain point in the day after lunch. And they, it's, it's not like I've finished a pack in a day. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've been that smoker. Okay. You know, I was that smoker when I got sober. Oh, right. Because well, I was like, like any- get me a fucking pack of cigarettes <laughs> and like, I'm eating everything. Yeah. Give me the ice cream. Yeah. And send me to the dentist. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a moment. I had done my damage. When you stopped drinking, what was going on around that time in your life? I was, uh, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I met Christy Turlington. That's what I was trying to get. Oh, yeah, earlier. yeah. No, I posted the, it on, which on the gram and, and, I, and I got to tell her how amazing she was. So I get to meet my idols at these events and I start to realize why I'm there, um, that my, my abilities as an artist have, I've carved myself into a position that I can be there. I deserve to be there. That's right. I'm totally welcome. And it's so validating. It's good that you recognize that yeah. too, because sometimes people crumble a little bit. Uh, a part of me was like, if they only knew, that dialogue's been within me my whole life. Sure. If they only knew, and then I'm like, yeah, but everybody else here, come on. That's exactly right, yeah. They, it's almost like the imposter syndrome, yeah. you know, because the only people who ever feel that are actually the ones who are worth being there or exactly. deserve to be there. Exactly. Yeah. So I've learned to, the reason I can go and talk to somebody, the reason why these people trust me, why they'll give me their number, while they'll meet me for lunch, while they'll write me back, yeah. is because it's they're just seeing me. And yeah. they respect me in return. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I'm not like this um, uh, hot mess coming over to them with all this baggage. I'm just saying, oh my God, I, I respect you and I actually know what you do. So right. I'm opening a dialogue Then we're talking about our marriages. We're talking, I'm introducing my husband. Yeah. It makes it a very human experience. Mm-hmm. And plus I rarely talk about the, f- I don't go, oh my God, uh, that moment in fashion, you did that. <laughs> I don't do that. I yeah. say, yes, I respect your, your, what you've done. I, you know, you, your inspiration for me, of course, I've created a lot from that, but I've ma- mainly talk about the current situation, what they're doing now. A lot of it, like charity works or benefits. Yeah. Cause I'm awake enough to what's happening. Right. That I can talk about what, what's important to them. Well, and also it's not uh, a stats thing. Yeah. Some people will then remember that thing you did. And that's kind of almost closing things off yeah. with someone because you're just talking to someone as if they're almost a product. Yeah. They they're past that. Yeah, exactly. And to say they don't appreciate it. Yeah, and they might want to tell stories over dinner. But it's and, up to them. Yeah, to bring up those yeah. things really, and, and I also, really stay away from that. Yeah, well, it's good because it it also just I think it makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, then you're just being a fan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's it's implicit when you say that you're an inspiration to me, etc. That you're yeah. an admirer. Yeah, but not necessarily just a quote unquote fan. Yeah, however, that's defined but also energy like you talked about before plays a large part in that too people especially people who are so public for so long you right. can read energy almost immediately 100 percent. you can gauge the you can tell when yeah. something's cool and good if, if it's good or not and um you know i usually am like well i can't expect anybody else to do this for me mm-hmm. no one's going to introduce me you know right mark's busy it's his wedding yeah so i'm not going to bother him but <laughs> it's, if i have respect and admiration i think i'm like as long as i go over there and i just go into it with a good intention and a, a gentleness i can um i can say hi yeah and that's you know? a good thing to for people to know too you can just go up and talk to people if it's yeah. the right situation yeah but i do understand being intimidated oh certainly 
Absolutely. I can guarantee you that yeah. for me, when people are like, um, uh, and I'm like, come and say hi, you know, because there is a fear of uh, looking at something that seems un- unobtainable. Yes. Right. Um, and my life and my creative work, it isn't what I'm doing in my professional life is unobtainable to me. Okay. I don't live at that level. Okay, sure. I don't wear designer dresses off the runway every day. I wear right. them for special events sure. because it's a special event. Right, and it's also the pinnacle of yeah. your conception. And I don't keep of... the garments. They go back. I mean, sure. I have a few things, but a lot of it is like, I live in Brooklyn. You know, yeah. I still have a very a real life over there. Yeah. Um, I don't have the home of my dreams yet. I, I, I don't have all of the things checked off yet. I am still building my ideas, my career. And there is a certain playing of a game like you have to show up and you have to be seen and you have to interact but i i'm having fun you know not all the time there's a lot of times i have a manic depressive breakdown right before i walk out the door (laughs) yeah not when my makeup's on but before i even get into the makeup i'm like fuck i don't want to get ready oh sure but i panic and i spiral and my husband's like you're spinning and then i'm like fuck you and i'm going off at everything yeah um and wanting to cancel right like i want to cancel all the time yeah because i it takes so much energy to do it so well. And I'm saying that with confidence because I know I'm doing it well. Right. And it's hard to, to it's hard to keep that up yeah. all the time when every detail, because if you don't care about the the details of your work, mm-hmm. nobody else is going to care compensate for that. That's right. And also people might not know if things are slipping or why they're slipping, but yeah. they'll feel it. Yeah. They'll know it and you'll know it. And then it's just sort of snowballs. Right. Right. If you go down that road. Yeah. I know you'd asked me earlier about where I was at yeah. at 18 or when I would, I got sober. Yeah. When you got sober, um, I was 20 mm-hmm. and I was, where was I living? Um, I was living with my best friend in a mobile home estate park, a state park. Yeah. It was a trailer park. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love re, re uh, branding. And I was, um, it was my first moving away from the family move. Mm-hmm. And where was that located? That was in between Templeton and Paso Robles, like the small towns that were partnered just next to each other where sure. I'm from. Yeah. Um, and it was me and her in a two bedroom, like single wide with like, it was a mess. It was a mess. We were like gluing <laughs> carpet squares in the over the linoleum and uh-huh. we smoked inside there and mm. we drank boxed wine and rum and pain medication and anything we could find in cocaine and you, whatever was coming in was we were taking it. Yeah. Um, I'd lost my virginity in there. Oh, a lot of stuff happened yeah, in this. A lot uh, of stuff happened in that single can. lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we had a little tiny front yard. I think I tried to get it together, but I was always recovering from a really severe hangover. So I never really had the energy. Sure. I painted my room like a barn red, like Martha Stewart living. I, I don't know. I had no idea of what, I think the ceiling <laughs> might've been painted black. No ceiling black floor was black and white mm. i was there was a lot going on it was a lot yeah and um it was moody and dark and um a certain aroma with all the cigarettes yeah and it was and all our clothes smell but you can't smell that when you don't realize it when, when you live in, in a smoking yeah. house it's true that all your stuff when you move out of there and you put it in a box even if you've washed it is all smoke <laughs> oh uh, yeah i used to smoke in the house oh. or in my old apartment i can't even imagine it now it was crazy um I ended up doing a lot of really inappropriate things. Mm-hmm. I got pretty dark. I'd gotten arrested. I was in a blackout. I pissed in the cop car. Wow. Um, like I was, I didn't know I did pissed. I was in a blackout. Yeah, I was like yeah. in a coma. Yeah. I woke up in the hospital. They were like you. Um, and that was not like a one-off. I had been hospitalized. I had been comatose in my, I, I would drink until coma. 
okay repeatedly yeah. my blood alcohol levels were beyond i wasn't eating properly mm-hmm. i was really thin i had bleeding ulcers in my stomach mm-hmm. i was bleeding from places you can't mention i was really sick and i'd done this damage within two years wow i wasn't like drinking since i was a child i was basically you know both my parents were extreme addicts my dad died at 28 mm-hmm. and my mother used during pregnancy i have to be careful because i don't want to paint her out to be a villain i love this woman sure but she was a needle user so i was uh-huh. a child born i was born on meth i was like <laughs> it doesn't get more real than that yeah. <laughs> and it's, luckily i still have all my brain cells and i i bring it up also because i want to acknowledge the realness yeah. of the human experience because right. it wasn't people might say well look at you it must be easy and people do do that to people. They they That's gauge right. the way somebody looks mm-hmm. and then they go off of that. They right. have no idea. It's a really good point to keep in mind. Yeah. You don't really know. My family was disjointed. The courts got involved. Um, I was a, you know, a little person, a little baby that was going through a lot of um, shit that I can't remember because I was too small. But I do believe that trauma and all of that can affect a, a human body even if you don't remember it. Because oh, certainly. Because you're yeah. little, but you're still having an experience from birth till death. Yeah. So and you absorb all of that. All of that. When I did start to drink, it was because I was depressed. I was struggling with um, the murder of my grandfather, which happened when I was 15. I didn't have the tools to comprehend it. Drinking came up. I just gained an inheritance that, um, well, not an inheritance. I I gained my grandfather passing. They, you know, we made some money um, from my grandfather's savings and then Mm -hmm. parcels went to the kids and I was Mm -hmm. adopted as a son. So I was Mm -hmm. one of the 10 or the 11. and I came into a certain amount of money, which meant I was buying my friendships. People oh, sure. came around me because I then had something. Yeah. yeah. And it was a decent amount. And it it catered toward my partying. Mm-hmm. And I was um, recklessly spending, recklessly using yeah. um, people, places, and things. Everything was, I was a vacuum. And I remembered just being really emotional and i was i was crying a lot and i was screaming a lot and asking people to kill me i'd get really drunk and be like fucking just end it uh-huh. because i was so sad yeah and i was basically at alcohol it's not you're not going to be in a good spot there <laughs> it's not going to pep you up. no i was not in a good spot and i was taking a lot of different pain medication at sure, the time i yeah, dislocated yeah. my knee at a party like a, a dancing with a guy and my like leg fucking popped out a socket and i was like then i started on pain medication uh-huh so um what type just out of curiosity um, what was it called um uh, narco oh okay with yeah. an introduction yeah but i ended up trying out a bunch of different things i mean i could go down the list sure um narcos I, are pretty heavy though yeah and yeah. i was doing that with alcohol but i would drink like i drank to blackout i never drank oh i thought well maybe tonight i'll i'm always good until this certain time yeah that's the that's the obsessive addictive insane alcoholic mind if I do this this way, it's going to be okay this time. Yeah, this time. This time and, will be different. Yeah. What's the, was, there's no. a line in, in a recovery program, mm-hmm. I think, about, uh, what is it? It's about madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Insanity. Yeah. Insan- it's the definition of insanity. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Expe- uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results. So, that's uh, like the definition of insanity in regards to anything, really. That's true. Um, yeah. But thinking about that with today it's going to be different or i'm going to try it this way not and then basically i'll have have white wine instead of changing the alcohol um changing the the substance maybe you say well i'm I'm gonna maybe i should only do this but when we start to compartmentalize our addictive self maybe there is a safer something yeah i just know i can't 
at all. Uh, so anything. I don't do anything at all. And mm-hmm. I've like, I've been sober, sober for my, enti- when I got sober, I stayed sober. Um, and I'd seen people, you know, go out and I know that's a part of stories. My mom had gone out a lot. So I've, I, I'm not, um, um, I'm no better than anybody else at the core of me. I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, what that also means is I've, I've had enough time away from my active drink to keep me, um, conscious yeah. to the way that I navigate the world, my, my, my interactions with people, um, I know that if I'm caught up in self-centeredness and I'm, and I'm like traveling and I'm not like connected to my, basically my spiritual core being my centered self, yeah. being a part of a community of solution, mm-hmm. um, that can turn into, um, me being a dry drunk, me being aggressive, angry, irritable, sure. um, and unhappy. Yeah. If, even if none of those other things, I'll just be unhappy mm-hmm. all the time. So it means I have to work all the time at my um, my wellness, mm-hmm. you know, making decisions like going back to therapy or um, journaling or meeting other people that struggle with the same issues so that I'm being of service to other people. So it, it keeps me humbled and balanced and it mm-hmm. also allows me to be able to be um, in environments and appreciate what's happening. I've also been unhappy and, and, and sober yeah. and been overwhelmed and sober mm-hmm. and been scared and felt crazy sober. You know, that's why I realize this is a multi-dimensional, it's a cunning and baffling psychological disorder that I have. Sure. It's trying to get me. Yeah. So, I have to keep it regulated. Right. And this is what works for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it's the one thing that has continually worked for me is not drinking. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. It's the one thing I can keep saying, like, that actually helps me staying away from that. And then all of the other stuff on top, not just doing, not drinking, but then practicing um, like spiritual principles in my life. So sure. I'm a good person. Yeah. I want to be a better person, but I still have my selfish little things come up. I'm, I'm addicted to men, you know, <laughs> I love validation. So yeah. I can turn it into anything. Yeah, sure. Or work or achievement. Yeah. Um, and that can be great when there's money and, and success, but if I'm not balancing it, I could find misery anywhere. Yeah, sure. Right. You yeah. can overschedule yourself. You can, you know, I work live in New York. In, yeah. It's like, very easy to. Winter fucks me up. And oh, I'm California God. born and then coming to a city like this where it's winter. Then, right. Oh, I fall into deep dive depression. Mm-hmm. What are some things that indicate to you that you might be in a space where you need to do a little bit more mm. work to dig out? Oh, as soon as I start hearing my own voice, pretty much right in the morning. I'm kidding. Um, when <laughs> so I hear my mean, own like voice spiral, okay. I can hear myself spiral. I'm, okay. I'm way aware enough that I'm like, oh, I'm fucking out there. But sometimes I'm, I'm just I'm too, just unwilling to get back into doing some work because you're like, fuck, I'm going to have to pay for a therapist. And I got to go leave the uh, house and go there yeah, and then come back. Yeah, it's all this effort. And I just sit on the couch. How easy that my, my little saboteur inside's like, just sit down on the couch and press play to Netflix. Right. Just look at your phone all day. Right, right. Like, I'm not glamorizing this element of myself. This is not I, I'm a really, this is the stuff that it's real. And I think it's actually very helpful for yeah. people to hear. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of our audience does struggle with similar issues. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of us do. And I think it's helpful to hear, yeah. especially from someone who presents as so perfectly put together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I put it together. And that's a part of like, I, and I can get lost in image and thinking, oh, as long as I look okay. And I've said that before, you know, but that's a part of the problem. Sure. Um, it's I'm almost not, like, hey, listen, I get my work done. So, yeah. yeah. But that's just co signing the bullshit. Yeah. So, in order to have a balanced life, I do need to, um, I feel like I do have to stay in constant motion. I also need a routine, which I hate. 
<laughs> I hate it. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, but it helps me, but it's like, I need to be accountable to schedule. Now, how strict is the routine though? Because we were talking earlier about sleep schedule shifting and, and all that, which is something I'm very much prone yeah. to. What does your routine look like? My routine, it's it, it needs some work. Um, me on a good day, I wake up, I make a really healthy breakfast and I really do that. Like, I think it's important to start there. That's um, true. What What's an average healthy breakfast for you? I cut an avocado in half. I put some se- sesame or sesame seeds, sunflowers, olive oil, and vinegar. Mm-hmm. And that's breakfast. There you go. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then I have like a bowl of granola mm-hmm. with almond milk mm-hmm. or, an, or an, uh, and then I'll have a latte. So I think that's a nice thorough little thing that I make. Yeah. Um, and it's, or in the spring, summer, I like to do fresh tomato and basil and, mm-hmm. and avocado. I, of course, I'm California. I'm like, avocado, everything. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Are you an avocado toaster as well? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I yeah. do a really good one. And um, I found the, v- the recipe on YouTube. I just don't like to cook other uh-huh. than breakfast. I'm good at doing the start of the day. Okay. I could do lunch. I hate dinner. It's too complicated. Mm-hmm. I hate putting the dishes away. <laughs> I'm so, so like, I need to hi- have somebody help me. I can't, I can't manage being all good everywhere. Like the house is in disarray. Anybody want to come over and help me clean? Oh, I'm sure there's an account that's all about yeah. that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So check in, yeah. check in. Yeah. There's actually somebody that offered to come over. Another one of my friends uh-huh. who I've never met. He'd found me. He's a doctor, also a bodybuilder. See, they're all that's <laughs> dual a very, addicted. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> High achieving yeah. and very focused and on. And then wants uh, to come over and clean my house. And that was something that part of his fetish is just to like do housework for me. I just um, didn't know how I, I, I didn't want people in my house. <laughs> right. That's fair. I was like, yeah. uh, maybe. And then I'm desperate. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'll put on some lipstick. You come on over and I'm going to watch my shows. You do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool, actually. I think it would be. They'd get yeah. a lot out of it. You'd get a lot out of I'd it. I'd have more content to talk about. Yeah. There you go. More life right. lessons. Another in the story. Hard way. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll, at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, until they freaking choke you out. And they're like, I've got now you're mine. Well, maybe there's another person who. <laughs> Uh, he, another friend who yeah. is interested in protecting being a secure, me yeah, yeah exactly security patrol actually, yeah. i actually have a friend that is in security that has that will keep me safe um but i you know i have to the, then i'm having to like pay people out <laughs> <laughs> well maybe just this one maybe just the security detail yeah because the like, fred paying, he's, yeah. they're in it for another thing yeah you're yeah. right you got that right <laughs> see we're working things out we together. are we are yeah you ever need any tips on on, on structure with that and you know i think yes because it's important that we don't say, oh, that's naughty and they can't. I think you are, you need to allow yourself in this human experience yeah. to have certain things that are, if you consider it a kink, okay. Fine. Bring it on. Yeah. Right. I might not be in my fullest. I, I mean, I have the option to fully embrace it. Yeah. I also think a part of my kink is restriction. Okay. Because yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, some of these guys want me to they want to wear a chastity belt and they want to not be able to touch themselves. I swear I have so many fucking stories where they're like an athlete uh-huh. and they, and I, I don't even know they'd write me and basically be like, am I allowed to basically remove my chastity belt now? And I never even gave them permission. They told themselves that I my what I had written them in a DM was context for a sure. no, keep yeah. it on right there. They were hoping that yes. I was playing a game. They're desperately hoping. Right. And then I was like, well, am I playing a game? So then I would then play it slightly. And I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck. I'm like, I don't want to engage. Because <laughs> some things I'm just learning learning the lingo. Well, sure. Yeah. I think there's some fun. I'm obviously attracting it left and right. Uh-huh. Um, and 
embracing these things we consider dangerous or kinky. Obviously, know your boundaries. Well, certainly, yeah. And and use your and and practice the boundary. Yeah. Like you need to have some safe word in there. You need to have yeah. a a hard no. Right. So that you don't end up in uh, troubled water. Yeah. As long as you do that though. Yeah. You know, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Play safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, after you got sober, yeah. um you said you were like kind of a mess for a while, which is an understandable yeah. thing, but a different kind of mess, more in the emotional regulation. Still. Point of view. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I really I I I think I'm pretty healthy in my emotional state. I have a I'm pretty good receptor in self-checking in and yeah. the relationships around me. I might feel worse in myself, but realistically is I I um I also know this too shall pass. When I'm having a shit day, I'm like it's going to be okay. That's a really key it's gonna thing. Come, it's going to come. That's a really key thing. Yeah. Even if you're involved in something that seems like it won't be over for a while, you know it won't be over yeah. for a while. Knowing, okay, listen, I've been through other things before, heavier things. Yeah. This will go away. I just have to be patient and maybe I have to check out for a little while. Right. Whatever I need to do, I'll be fine. The perpetual doom is not a real for me. Uh-huh. Like, because that's an attraction that you would say, well, I'm always fucked. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, things never go right for me. That, you're that, that looking kind of for that. it. Yeah, you are. You're, and, and you're attracting it. Yeah. You that's state another thing. it and then you see it and you claim it and you're like wrapped in it like a warm blanket <laughs> because you're so comfortable being fucked. That's right. Yeah. Because you had a fucked up childhood, because somebody hurt you. We, I mean, not to, to put it in that, the tone of my voice that way, but we become victims to our circumstances so severely. And it's not to discredit the trauma and the pain actually. Oh, certainly. And when it's that far down the scale where you're like, some people can't be revived. There are pe- those cases. It's not. That's true. It's not. You know, if you partner that with mental health issues to where it's like you need to get on a certain medication and maybe you need to have, maybe you do need to find um, a form of sobriety or avoiding certain substances that are going to trigger the emotional and mental demise. Right. And in that, unveiling the layers of trauma. But look at somebody like Oprah. Right. Who has a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm, Certainly. And she's found a way to thrive in a public way. Yeah. And maybe at home she's completely miserable could be but you never know. i think she found ways to practice lightness yeah and like i look at her and think well shit she could tell us stories i mean people like that and i'm also somebody that could say i could tell you some stories right and you know i i'm not even going full down the scale i'm lightly mm-hmm. touching base on a few things well next time yeah next time <laughs> <laughs> um, but those stories don't have to define no you forever no people do often get into that trap of letting past experiences to find them against forever. me from day one exactly life has been against me from day one <laughs> seriously i could tell you that 100 percent. it was not it's not right but it's okay <laughs> um, it's okay today because it's a part of my strength and when i meet yeah. people and they learn about who i am and i and i do open up to certain people obviously we're going there now i realize a part of me in the beginning was I desperately needed to talk to somebody as a kid because I was going through trauma. Right. I was like, oh, the, I just saw my mom in the hospital and because she'd um, overdosed. Right. And having to go to school at like f- being in third or fourth grade, you're like, I need to talk to someone. Yeah, yeah. And you <laughs> because don't even I'm know. hurting. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're hurting. And it's not a common shared pain. Yeah. It was a lot to visualize and a lot to take in emotionally. So as an adult, I realized talking and, and, and when I meet people in my industry, there's so many layers to these people. Yeah. And there's a reason why they're in an industry based off of external validation. Sure. And success and thriving for to be at the furthest um, 
reaches of what success can be and within that arena. transformation as yeah. well. Yeah. So, and yeah. And it being in something that's like strictly about presenting the most ultimate idea of what you could achieve exactly. in this beautiful life. Yeah regarding fashion yeah so i've also realized like things that bring me joy that are outside this are like i like being with my dogs i like yeah. being um in nature i take advantage of those moments because they're healthy for me mm -hmm. so um and, and and taking time and having coffees with people i trust mm -hmm. those are important things to me it's very important also to yeah, maintain relationships with those people that are very core to you yeah the ones that you can really share and those with. are rare they are rare they are rare so you really it's very important to prioritize them. Yeah. There was tough times in the beginning. I did a lot of work to figuring things out. And mm -hmm. I also leaned in. I was um, I was a goal setter and an achiever. Every time I saw something that I wanted to do, I was like, I'm going to do it. I obsessed on it till I achieved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my self-esteem was wavering. My, um, my emotions were all over the place. Um, I felt like a lot of self-doubt and security. But even though I had all that stuff going on, mm -hmm. I was still like going to therapy and taking yeah. care of my alcoholism and focusing on like being a part of like a community yeah. and then finding photographers I wanted to work with and building an idea of how I looked to the camera, telling a story to a photographer mm -hmm. uh, or a videographer and fashion. I like, I created this. This was not given to me. I etched this out of stone. It was not like somebody discovered me on that farm. Right. I discovered myself. Right. So I developed an idea and an identity and a visual that was then in return received by the world and at the highest form. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. signed to the biggest agents on the planet. Yeah. Um, that, but the, the, even after re uh, re receiving the, these affirmations from them, yeah. having the agent, having these designer friends, wearing these pieces, sure. being featured in Vogue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the current month we're in, I think, we're, yeah, this month I'm in Vogue Japan, mm -hmm. um, T Magazine Singapore, which is the New York Times and Singapore's print. What else? Uh, the outcover. Oh, yeah. It's like, right. even when all that, that happening, and I need to acknowledge that because it's important to validate your work. That's right. That you did that. You, you, yeah. you put yourself into it. You've opened those doors. Mm -hmm. The world sees you. Yeah. And, or you see you, because sometimes at the end of the day, you need to realize that for me, I'm never going to hear what I need to hear from certain people. Right. Whether it's family or, you know, whoever it family. is. Yeah, but usually it's, yeah, that's, yeah. But what I am realizing is that it feels nice. And it, it's like, if I can achieve that, what's my next goal? I want to mm -hmm. buy a house. I mm -hmm. want to invest my, my hard work into something that feels like a return on investment, which is going to be like a sanctuary. Yeah. So these are things I look forward to in the years to come, hopefully sooner than later, because I while I believing now that with the commitment is achievement. Mm -hmm. If you keep working at it again and again and again, you can get where you're hoping to go. That's right. I'm not the most beautiful person on the planet. I, I'm not, but I'm also not discrediting that I'm not unfortunate looking to get where I got. Sure. But I, I was just at Mac yesterday with somebody I'm close with and one of the, the boys there is 23. And I was like, you're so beautiful. And I looked at him and I was like, this same location that I came into yesterday was at Bloomingdale's Lexington and 59th mm -hmm. Street was the first job I had in New York for eight months. Oh, wow. I got fired from that location and escorted out of the building. They took really? my brushes. It was a hot mess <laughs> because I was late. It wasn't like I'd, I'd robbed them blind. Yeah, I, yeah. I was late and I was re regularly late because I was seeking my dreams outside, yeah. going to castings, showing up. And then I ended up going, um, I was always late to work because as I mentioned, I run late. There you go. And I also didn't really want to be there. Right. That was just 
something you had to do yeah. in the meantime i mean i'm on time for my therapy appointment because i'm paying <laughs> i'm on time but i am on time for the type of work i do now especially when i know i have to be on time like i'm yeah. like we have to coordinate i have to give myself a lot of time yeah. so that i can show up and feel sane sure oh um, that's true too yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I saw, I see that you can develop it you you but you have to believe in yourself. You have to work for it. You have to go out there and develop it. It's you can't just be like, wow, like people somebody wrote me a DM, another DM message from a beautiful boy. He's like, I want to be a model. What do I do? And it was like, can you help me? I think he said. And I yeah. was like, how funny. And I also find distasteful. Yeah. It's like how about you can inquire maybe mm-hmm. a bit of insight of what it takes to open a door yeah but don't just say give it to me it is offensive it's because repulsive really I'm not because give it to no you. and they wouldn't even know what to do with it really yeah. if that's the mindset you know because you have to work to achieve anything especially achieving something in a very rarefied yeah. space mm-hmm. you have to put full commitment into it and yeah. it takes a long time and it may take a lot of quote-unquote failure or like yeah. false starts but that's the only way especially when you self-create a hundred percent. Yeah. Twice I could say in the last weeks, um, there was somebody who wrote me that and he was good looking enough. But when he wrote that, I was like, you're not asking the right questions. You're asking to be given something. Yeah. And that's not how this works. No. People aren't discovered like, yeah. like that, especially no. when they're just like, hey, can I have this? Hook me up with your agent. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, right. You know how hard yeah. it was for me to even get there? Actually, it wasn't that hard. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no but it was, a, it was a matter of years of development. And then I got invited to a special environment that put me on the map. And then an agent was like, who are you repped by? And it just so happened to be the biggest agency in the planet. So it was like, I didn't get granted the top tier position there was some previous, you know, figuring it out. I was yeah. represented by people that had no fucking clue and didn't nurture me. Right. And I nurtured still my, and I do, I still work really hard for my stuff. I mean, I bring yeah. in a lot of my own editorial work. I bring in a lot of my own clients mm-hmm. because people reach to me and want to work with me. Right. But then I'm also able to bring in my agency, which protects me so that I right. can make money and, <laughs> which um, helps. you know, yeah. which helps. And they put that nice gold steel um, seal on top to make it really refined. Mm-hmm. Um, but without that, impetus the self-driving yeah. thing none of it would happen anyway yeah. so you, you know you can't turn that off because i'm not a child of money i'm not a, i'm not going to get a, a, a booking out of nepotism i'm a, i'm not, not going to get a booking because um most clients are still scared to hire somebody like me in fashion and beauty because although they're all acting very woke <laughs> oh we're so ready we love yeah. diversity yeah. all these brands want to be involved to look inclusive but a lot of the times they don't want to put money at it because not to say that they don't i have been paid by brands before yeah i still that I, I usually get um i teach and i transform people i use makeup lines and then they'll be like can you use these products or go on a tour i was just in asia for a brand mm-hmm. um so teaching is a great way for sustainable income for me because I don't perform. I haven't been on stage doing lip okay. syncing or singing in yeah. over two and a half years. Now, what made you stop doing that? I was just not committed to it. I was anxious and yeah. being being unable to get past my own anxiety. I also felt like other people were really loving being on stage. And I'm like, I'm good on stage, but in fashion and beauty. Sure. I don't feel like like singing and entertaining was my calling. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I wanted to be doing that um, type of work. Mm-hmm. So... I I kind of felt like I wasn't good enough to be doing that. And I was good at other things much stronger in the arena I'm in now. I like went full scale, like, oh, I'm now going to be a singer. I'm now going to be dancing and entertaining. I mean, barely. I had two dancers and I did light (laughs) choreography, but I was doing it. Yeah. And um, I impressed myself, but I also wasn't feeling like I was doing it at the best. I always felt like I was never good enough. 
okay at that kind of work sure it was like oh god i'm just not it's because i wasn't attached to it i wasn't passionate about it going into it right i feel like i was doing a job there you go and there's no way yeah. really to feel like you're achieving the pinnacle and something that you're really not fully yeah passionate about do what you love love what you do that you know that same yeah i'm now in the industry doing what i love and, and i love what i do so when i get to do image mm-hmm. anything with image where it's fashion and beauty it's so prestigious i feel like i'm celebrated and i'm able to produce p- profound images and yeah. i'm able to tell a story through wardrobe and i'm able to tell my story through my words the interviews depict me yeah and so those things are like very sacred to me mm-hmm. but it's also like you know fashion it's like um the most luxury industry, but the editorial doesn't pay you anything. You can never make money off of editorial. <laughs> so it's like a contradicting in- industry in its own right. Yeah. So a lot of it's like you have to look like you're the luxury brand itself in order sure. to make them believe it to where you can then get a contract or a campaign. My industry is based off of if I get campaigned or education work with a brand, that's where I make my money. Okay. So yeah. it's it's more like um, they're few th- further and farther between, but then the, the increase in the rates are higher. Yeah. And then keeping the momentum alive is scary because fashion's a trend industry. So they utilize you when they think you're it. Yeah. And then what happens after that? Right. So I'm keeping a lot of spinning plates happening and I'm a niche. I'm very rare within this industry. Sure. So there's only a few people that are doing what, what I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I could say what I'm doing. I'm the only one doing what I'm doing. Right. But then I could say, well, yeah, there's that queen that's signed as well. They just, one of my agents has picked up another queen. Uh-huh. Um, Aquarius signed with IMG as well now. Oh, okay, yeah. And I'd been signed previously for the years before. Mm-hmm. So, But it was also my passion. Right. So I'm doing it because I was obsessed with the beauty. And I wanted to model. Yeah. But that was all going down to the context of wanting to feel like I was enough. Uh-huh. I did it because I, I chose an industry that's so based off of validation and image that I thought if I get there, that maybe my family will see me. Oh, okay. I did this yeah. on a completely different dialogue because I was fig- I was healing myself yeah. from all of the bullshit. And to achieve the ultimate of the ultimate of the ultimate. Yeah. You end up finding yourself. Uh-huh. You realize, I realize, at the end, it's not about them. It's about me being okay. Right. And then also, wait, no, I actually love what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm saying that now, but like, of course, I, I, I'm sure you realize working around with a lot of artists how stressed people can get oh certainly absolutely especially when you are self-created or your job is self-created because all the pressure even though it's something that you love to do and you're passionate about it all comes down on you and there's no escaping thinking about it it's not like you just switch off yeah uh after the shift Mm -hmm. which is a great thing but also has its own burden yeah all i do is think about what i'm doing (laughs) right i mean it sounds crazy but that's new york too Mm -hmm. i mean it's also being successful in your craft right I don't know, somebody told me a really good Madonna quote recently, and I can't recall, but I'll try to paraphrase it. She was just saying that when it's on, when she's working as Madonna, like doing her performance, everything needs to be about her. Right. Everybody needs to be about her. The whole room needs to be focused on her so that she does the best job. She's full of great quotes about situations and circumstances Mm -hmm. like that. And another one that I love, she was uh, arguing with Nile Rodgers during the making of Like a Virgin. And she was mm. like, hey, listen, time is money and the money's mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's brilliant. Yeah, she's got a lot of good ones. And that was early on too. So, so good. Yeah. I still appreciate her. So, I mean, obviously, I, I'm excited. I know she's got an album coming. I know. I'm excited to see what it's yeah. going to be. I, I'm hoping that she just sticks with one producer and it's like yeah. a very cohesive thing. But um, it'll be interesting anyway. What were we going to yeah. say? Um, I'm just, you know, just kind of looking at her body of work and um, interesting story 
I was actually, when, when I was in Asia last month for the month, I got contacted by her people. She wanted me to come and do her music video. Oh, yeah. I was teaching for the month in Asia. So I was going from different countries regu- like every four days. Mm-hmm. And then there was a time where I was supposed to go to Paris. It didn't happen. So I then took a mini vacation in Bali. Mm. So in the midst of that, I sent all of my drag to Australia. My last classes were in Australia. So I sent my my hair, makeup, wardrobe, <laughs> all my Miss Fame went to Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I get the request can you come tomorrow to do Madonna Yeah, to be, to be in her video? This yeah. is like, what, three or four weeks ago. Right. And I'm like, 100%, I could do it because I have some time, but the last second request and then having to find my luggage in a different country that went off with an assistant. Right, to, it, to Australia. It's like, yeah. somewhere over there, it's not gonna happen. I, I, I had to be really right. I, I would have done anything. Yeah. But at the end, I didn't do everything right. because I was like, it's not going to happen tomorrow. If you said two days, two days, it would have happened. Right. Right. And um, I didn't talk about it publicly. And I ended up hearing, of course, a couple of days later that Monet Exchange had went off to do mm-hmm. this video. Yeah. And so she got, um, was on the Marie and Peter tour. And I think that they weren't interested in letting her, I, I could be wrong on that. Oh no, I think I heard something yeah. about this. So right. she's no longer on that tour because right. she stepped away from it and they wouldn't let her step away from the contract. And I've been on tours before where it's so hard to miss a city. And like, mm-hmm. I've done these tours when it was um, Work the World. No, it was... Battle of the Seasons? Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, it might have been Battle of the Seasons, but, well, you know, it changes names. And <laughs> sure. it was back in 2015. It was that I left the tour to go do Cannes Film Festival and they let me do that. But I was like, it's my life. I have to. I can't miss this. <laughs> yeah. And it was the first time a drag queen had walked a red carpet at Cannes Film Festival. No, and that's when I got, it was L'Oreal Titan. I got IMG yeah. right after that. So I had to turn it away and I accepted it and moved on. I like pretty quickly. And then mm-hmm. I saw that Monet did it and I never publicized it. I didn't go on Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter since Thanksgiving. I kind of just, mm-hmm. I didn't reload it to my phone. I, I I don't know what happened. I just kind of got tired of doing all the social media. Instagram is my main thing. Are you enjoying not being on Twitter? Yeah. I mean, I just don't really care. And also be, Instagram oh, is more. I'm doing it all there. Yeah. yeah. I stopped Snapchatting. I, yeah. I stopped all of it. I, I even face Miss Fame Facebook. My husband was managing that and I don't even think he's doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm like letting it all die. <laughs> <laughs> I meanwhile I launched a brand. I'm really self-sabotaging. I need to catch it. Um but you know, Instagram I'm usually posting every day. Mm-hmm. So there's um, some social media freds out there. Just want to yeah, put that idea in. <laughs> <laughs> um social media freds, I need your help. Um so, so you were saying you didn't publicize it. I didn't talk anything. about it. And I know a lot of the girls like it's like always a benefit to because if you share what's happening and you put it out there it's like it keeps you interesting like look at what i what you know i could have gone online and said hey madonna called me and i or their, their team called and want me for the video and i can't come yeah it would have been a great thing for me to put sure. out there yeah um and it was real it was true i could pull the receipts you know right. um it didn't happen and i'm close um close with her her makeup artist mm-hmm. visionaire and it's a great name right and what ended up happening was uh she got it they released her from the tour. She went on Twitter and like vented about it and said, you know, it's Madonna. And I and I kind of felt like, I think part of me was like, God, I should have just like let people know. So mm-hmm. now I'm letting, this is the first time I've yeah, talked no, about it. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was containing my excitement, but I think. You know, <laughs> it would have been great. I mean, but I also feel like if it's meant to happen, this is not the first, there was another time that Stephen Klein had asked me to paint masks for a music video years ago. Um, and I, I just didn't have the time or yeah. the, there was not a, a budget. And I was like looking at all of that as a factor. I'm like, you know, I, the, being in video with Madonna and meeting her as Miss Fame is the goal. 
Sure. You know, absolutely. But, but it's you would not, love nothing more, right? Yeah. It's not like on my list of things that have to happen. Yeah. But if it did, like the offer just came through and I couldn't do it, I was yeah. like, well, it was it would have been a dream. But it's an unexpected dream achievement. Sure. It would have been like, wow, you know, I get to meet Madonna and work with her. Right. But it's okay. Because everything is meant to happen that's meant to happen. Yeah, and in the order that it's meant to yeah. happen. And it's good when you learn that. It's yeah. a really powerful thing. And letting go. Because yeah. if you're afraid and you're clinging on, you know... Desperation. Desperation's a, a very toxic energy. And it, it really kills um, opportunities. It does. It radiates outward. People, People don't smell want it. it. No, they do not yeah. want it at all. As soon as you act like that... And there's also a really... You have to be really, really mindful about how you navigate your wants. Mm-hmm. And um, keeping it right-sized so that you do not bleed desperation. Yeah. So, it's really about playing it cool right. a lot of the time. And, I mean, getting excited is one thing and thriving yeah. off of excitement. That, that People like to work with excited energy because it also, they know you're going to give everything you got. Right. But then being like that toxic flow, that one layer, It's what's the difference between excitement and desperation? Uh, yeah, what is you know, it? I don't know. Neediness like, or something? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but something, it's very I think it's distinct. fear. Yeah, it is fear. It's fear of not getting it, and then yeah. that's where you start acting. And that, that fear-based energy is where desperation lies. Mm-hmm. And it repels yeah. anything good. Where faith and excitement go hand in hand, right. trusting it. Right. I'm excited. I can't wait to do it. Oh, my God, it's going to be so cool. That's more attractive. Certainly. So maybe that's what's really going on there, is that it is a fear-based response. Yeah. Anything fear-based is really not that yeah. great for you. No. It's not hot. No. Yeah. When did you decide to move to New York? 2011, April, April 11th of 2012. Okay. For some reason, I thought you lived in New York longer than that. And this is my eighth year. Between the trailer park and New York, did you stay in California? Did I you move elsewhere? I stayed there for three years in the first few years of getting sober. And I then I'd moved a couple times, a few interesting apartments, a few interesting roommates. Yeah. And then I moved to Sacramento because I wanted to be close to San Francisco because I really okay. have, like I liked San Francisco energy. Yeah. But I couldn't afford to go there yet. It was an ex- it's a very expensive very city. Very expensive, yeah. And then I was in Sac because my cousin lives there and I was dating a guy. So, I mean, it was like I had a built-in boyfriend. I left one relationship and then right away it was like I had a boyfriend up there. I told people I wasn't doing that, but I really was because <laughs> I knew better that it was wrong and I did it anyways. Uh, sure. And that didn't work out. I mean, it worked out for three years uh-huh. and then I moved to New York and it was really hard. Um, and I lived in a really cute cottage style house, like in Midtown, like really great location with really amazing roommates. And I ended up having chickens and like <laughs> in New York. Um, yeah, no, no, no. That was in Sacramento. In Sacramento. Okay. Yeah, I was like, this Sacramento. is the strangest New York apartment no, I've ever no, no, heard no. about. Okay. No, that's all in Sac. And then I ended up moving in with my then boyfriend to his part of town. Then we took a car and drove across the United States in a two door little tiny, like probably Mazda mm-hmm. with our toy poodle Eva. Mm-hmm. And we came to New York. Okay. And then we we stayed on a lot of people's couches and spare rooms until there was one to rent. And then our relationship dissolved in like two months of oh, being interesting. in New York. It was yeah. a mess. But we came in a mess and I knew it. Yeah. Behind it, I, I really knew that I was coming here afraid that I couldn't do it financially without help. Sure. So I was like, mm, well, if we get there, at least it'll be easier together. Sure. Yeah. So it was using him in return. Yeah. But I people, knew you know, it these things working. happened though. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was a lot of co-signing, a lot of bullshit going on in that relationship. And although I left him still loving him, it was hurting me. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't good for me. It was toxic. So anytime a relationship is toxic, it's just time to get out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to recognize that yeah. at the time. It was tricky. And, you know, um, fast forward, I moved about 11 times my first year of New York. Wow. And I was 20, I was 26 when I got here. Um, and I was just kind of ambitious. I mean, I was doing what I had to do. I got a job working at Mac, the one I lost a job to, yeah. seeking out an agent, found one. It was a shit agent. <laughs> Nothing ever happened. Yeah. Took a lot of interesting pictures, took on a lot of weird projects. I wonder if they'd ever surface. And how long after that did you meet your husband? What's your husband's name? Patrick. Mm-hmm. I met Patrick the first year I was in New York. I was single a couple months. Let me try to think. Because I, I was wondering if you'd had a, a series of overlapping relationships based on what you said before. Oh, I definitely have, <laughs> have an addiction <laughs> to my partnerships, you know. <laughs> I um, I was with the first two, three years, three years, and then I, I've been with my husband for seven mm. and married for six of the seven. And it's a lot because I've never really been on my own. I mean, I think that's something I've always thought I'd have to look at eventually. Mm-hmm. And I've ta- I'm candid about it even with my husband. I'm like, I've never spent time on my own. But being in the work I do, a lot of the time I travel, I am spending more time on my own, doing right. more ambitious things on my own. Um, the benefit of partnership is like having somebody there. And if you yeah. get along, obviously being in a partnership is loving and nurturing yeah. and you know, he makes dinner and he makes me coffee when I wake up and yeah. he walks the dogs when I'm sleeping in. He walks the dogs, period. <laughs> Let's be right. Um, I sometimes will take the dog. I said I'm a spring, summer dog walker. It's like it's too tough in the winter. And, but he does offer a lot of that. And I also realized there's a part of me that thought, well, do I fully know me? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm being really candid, sure. yeah, I put everything into question. Right. And I tell him that. It's not like I'm hiding these questions from him. But, um, you know, I think I'll figure out more the longer I'm alive. I'll see, see if this is all good for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other side of it is not being married. And then that, <laughs> you know, obviously is not um, ideal when you've already made that commitment. You don't want to have to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't sorry, figure it yeah. all out. I, I really didn't think about this one. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but I've been in it for so long, too. I mean, I think seven years is a pretty decent amount of time. It is, absolutely. Partner. And you get along. Yeah. So... Yeah, we live together. I mean, we still have our stuff. Any relationship does. Sure. But it's he's a nice person and he's always been. So I appreciate that about him. I I, I feel like I tell, talk more nice about him around behind his back than I do to his face. <laughs> like when I meet people, I'm always like, he is a good guy. He's uh, he's such a gentleman. Um, he's stubborn, but mm-hmm. that's nothing. He doesn't like, he's not a horrible person to me. As long as someone's yeah. not mean to you. Yeah, he's really kind to me. He really, really loves me. So, and that's really foreign to me. Really? Partnership, like having a person in my life that loves me. Yeah. Loves me unconditionally. That's crazy. And treats you nicely. Yeah, Is treats that, me really yeah. kind. You wake up and he's t- he literally is like, you're so beautiful. Like he talks to me sweetly while laying next to me when I'm waking up. He like validates me. He puts post-its in the bathroom mirror. I love you. You're oh, amazing. You're yeah. beautiful. He writes love notes when I travel and tucks them in my suitcase. That's really sweet. Yeah. And that also seems to be something that... I can barely put away a dish. <laughs> I always think I bring a lot to the table because I'm the work... I work. Sure. I'm working, 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 working. Yeah. working. So I'm like, well, that's my participation. It's not... You can't only rely on that. I know that. It's not all that. There has to yeah. be more... I mean, I have my resentments. I have my stuff. I mean, what relationship wouldn't be without a good old-fashioned res- resentment? Um, classic resentment. Classic yeah. resentment. 
Um, but we we talk about things, um, pretty much all the things. And it, when I've made mistakes and I've had my shortcomings, I've been able to talk to him. And he, he never mm-hmm. shamed me. He never was like, you're trash. Yeah. Or, you know, he was like, you're, thank you. I could understand. Like, he's so understanding. Yeah. So, you know, sorry, my phone is going off. Oh, just, don't be. It's he's right. calling me. He, oh, he's very sweet. sobering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really, really that. Um I'm in a good a good relationship with the good guy. And you a week are... later in the press, a big major divorce. <laughs> like, Can you just keep it together until this comes out? This yeah. lecture, thanks. I appreciate Posting that. Posting the pictures, yeah. <laughs> um, but you are, I imagine, very present for him emotionally as well. So even though you say you barely Depending. put away a dish, yeah. I'm sure that it's not just a one-sided thing. No, I, I mean, I feel like I've been very selfish in recent time because probably the whole relationship it was almost the balance i think he's like i'd rather take care of than be taken care of okay sure so i i really like that and i think that we have a form of a bit of codependency because you know i've noticed like he does a lot and um you know that's something i would probably struggle to tell him I'm like don't tell him too much because then he'll start to figure it out this is work <laughs> be careful keep him down so just be like now that interview yeah, was terrible yeah, don't was listen terrible. to it it was yeah. really boring yeah well I he was asleep when i got there seriously yeah well, <laughs> and he didn't really wake up i know <laughs> same <laughs> no we're good honestly um i've learned a lot about it like i i feel like in recent times i've i've had to actually consciously practice being a little bit more selfless okay i'm a very selfish person mm-hmm. i know that i also feel like i've had to be to survive my my life i want to be a, a helpful to other people yeah. I, I want my words to help mm-hmm. i also know that a part of me put me me first and yeah. talking to therapists are like you had to you had to save yourself because no one else was going to do that for that's you that's true yeah so, I mean, in an industry that i'm in and it, it, you it, it's a fine line because you're like am i looking out for my best interest or did i just become a selfish asshole sure yeah I'm what's sure. the way and does that see there's a lot of duality there is and a lot of figuring out and do we need a decision like do i need to be a fetishist do i need to be fetishized do i need to know what that looks like in my life or can i be okay with not having that figured out do i need to know my gender identity or do, am i okay with living fluidly yeah do i need to know you know all, all of these things is like I have so many little compartmentalized questions. Yeah. Like about gender relationship mm-hmm. around my career. Mm-hmm. Um around the the desire around that even because that's a big one for me. I'm like I'm in my prime. You oh know? sure. Yeah. And I, I, and I love the attention. Yeah. But what does that look like for me? Do right. I have to fully embrace it or do I just like appreciate the attention? Right. Um the concept. Yeah. The right. The gaze. These are yeah. The yeah. gaze or the gaze? Like, <laughs> I, I guess appreciate both. The gaze. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, appreciate your gaze. Yeah, and... I appreciate my gaze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for joining of me uh, today. And I hope to have you back. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like there's plenty more to talk about. Oh, there is. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we stop taping i feel good i feel um i feel like this was a total unpaid therapy session good i'm glad to hear that yeah it told you beforehand it was gonna feel like that and i i i don't know how it'll be received so i guess i have to accept the outcome that's a very good attitude i think it's going to be received very well i think it's been a very um illuminating yeah and endearing chat cool with you (laughs) 
You're gonna clock a mug and a foot. Miss <laughs> my fashion. Miss Piggy Realness. Hold on, I have to delete some pictures. Yeah. Makeup is plastic surgery with a paintbrush. From my end, at least. How do I get to look like you? Oh my god. Padded to perfection. Can I take your skin off and put it on my face? Can I use your placenta as a facial cream? Make me beautiful. I wanna be like you, I wanna look like you, I wanna be pretty like Miss Fame, goddammit! I'm Miss Thanks for watching.